Hi and welcome. My name is Brendan Kelly and I'm joined today by Perry Martin. Welcome, Perry. Hey, Brendan. Perry, you have a really interesting topic today that um, I'm actually looking forward to getting into. And you've called it, one of the primary themes is highest dollar productive zone. And it's something that is really valuable for people to engage in as an idea and to, to enroll themselves in and, and, and embrace. But, and, and there's a certain amount of common sense around what, you're, what we're about to get into. But there's so much in the world that distracts you away from that and so many other needs and competing obligations that keep you away from that, that there are consequences that, that a lot of business owners, a lot of investors don't actually see. Um, because they're just living in the embroilment of whatever life is bringing in their way at this moment. So a refocus on highest dollar productive zone would support a greater efficiency and productivity in what they're looking to achieve out of life as a concept. Now, does that summarise broadly what we'll be getting into today? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's about how we use time. And, you know, we can start off by saying we're not taught to use time. If you think about when we went to school, no one timed to, taught us to use time effectively. So I suppose today is about how to use time effectively to have a good life, for one, and secondly, to create the greatest amount of profit. Flip that around, though, and just to add another dimension to the conversation around time, from a level of enjoyment, from an emotive space, if you are dealing in your highest dollar productive zone, it's drawing on your highest skills, your highest uh, strengths that you have within yourself and therefore allows you to feel lighter and lifted because you're not dealing with things or, or you're managing things differently such that you're not embroiled in the stuff that drags you down. You are in that which is most productive and therefore lifted. So it's not only, if I can be so bold to suggest, it's not only a, a conversation around time and time management, but a conversation around self and self-management such that you are always in a, a, a more uh, joyful state around life and oh, where, it, where it takes you. Totally, if that puts you in a joyful state. And when we talk about joy, as we sort of dig into this, and we'll probably start with this, actually, um, you you will feel fulfilled. Mm. If, if people take what we share in this, in, in this video or podcast, depending on how you're consuming it, if you take this and you act on it, you will feel more fulfilled. It's, it's a, a basic uh, result of doing what we're about to talk about. And so let's just actually start with this because we're, we're going to start with a couple of different concepts. And you, of course, you've introduced one, the highest dollar productive zone which we'll talk about. But before we even get into that, we, we look at areas of giftedness. And we all have areas of giftedness. And a, a quick way to show you this is, so for Brendan and I right now, when we do this video or podcast, we love it. It's enjoyable um, because it falls in both of our areas of giftedness. Today, this afternoon, I'm, I'm going to be working on some spreadsheets. And I love working on spreadsheets because of what it gives me. 
but I could not spend hours working on spreadsheets because I feel drained and my head sort of gets a bit sore because I'm then working outside of an area of giftedness. And Brendan might go and look at those spreadsheets this afternoon and he might spend two hours on them and do, be doing all the mass equations and look for it. And he, he'll potentially be just as excited doing that as doing this video or podcast because it falls within his level of giftedness. So the, the basic, I'm going to come back and ask you about that, Brendan, because I'm just assuming. Sure. But um, so the basic principle is if you work in your area of giftedness, as Brendan said before, you're having fun, you're excited, it's easy, you tend to be good at it, um, and therefore you can sustain, sustain it for, for a lot longer. And typically, you're also going to be better at it than other tasks, and people are going to feel that about you and want to engage you around that. Where the opposite principle is true, if, if you work outside of your area of giftedness, it, it takes more energy, so at least fatigue, it, it leads to uh, poor emotional states. Um, actually can lead to burnout. If someone's working outside of their area of giftedness, so we're using will and force, and it can lead to burnout. And just as a caveat before we move on, you've got to think about teams. If, if you run teams and you don't know this stuff, you've got a whole bunch of people on your team <laughs> working outside of the area of giftedness. It has a great impact on, on staff's sense of fulfillment, purpose, productivity, profit, and efficiencies. So it is an important subject. So we just come back to that, Brendan, and I'll test my assumption. <laughs> are, you, are, are you in a great space when you do podcasts and go, then go and work on spreadsheets? Uh, agree. Um, I have a heart to want to train, give, contribute. Um, I draw on experience, memory. I connect dots that aren't regularly connected. And um, I when I communicate with people um, as, as a mentor, for example, when I'm communicating with people, there is a, a sheer delight in the ability to not only listen to what is being said, but to hear what's not being said, draw enough, um, draw additional information from what's missing in the conversation to create a full picture about how people can then take whoever they are and be more better at what they're doing and, and, and free up what's blocking, free up the stoppage and allow them to progress. That is, is I can walk away from that conversation charged, electri electrified, um, full of energy and ready for the next conversation. You and I, when we have these conversations, there is a, a, a drawing of experience, wisdom and evolution in conversation that you and I can create and use as a form of support and training for people listening to this so that they can walk away equally enlightened or, or invigorated in a, a different way of thinking about what they're up to right now that could free them to go forward. But if you give me a complex mass equation, if you give me a, um, a spreadsheet that I need to do some work on, I am equally charged to have solved a problem, to have illustrated something mathematically, to have, to have seen a conclusion, to be... One of the things that I really enjoy mostly, I guess, is the business modeling. If someone said, I've got a product, is it going to make me money? I, I just go, right, let's look at that and, and just go through the entire gamut of all components of the business and go, now, at the outcome of this, 
we need to assess this, 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 and this. And if these things come up to this way, then great, it's a great business. But if any of these fall over at any point, then you're going to um, dip into your margin, your profitability out of it. But if these three, these three, or these two don't work at all, this is a business that's going to fail and you're setting yourself up for some pain. And we can, we can create all of that. And so the business modeling is, is something that I really get delight from. So all of those things, yeah, if I, can, if I can live in those spaces, then it is a really fulfilled life. Yeah, correct. That's what you see. And by the way, I just can't help myself because you'll start to see this. So you're being true to your archetypal nature when you do those things. And I'll explain that. Okay. So you have, you're born with the teacher archetype. You were born with it. Agree. Okay. Yeah. Let me, Agreed. let there, let, yeah, we'll keep going there. Uh, also, you have uh, 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 touched and blessed with the creative archetype the creative archetype or creator feels inspiration and it doesn't just use logic to uh, as you said put the dots together you will have flashes of insight um you are already seeing stories and metaphors when you talk to people so i'm not even talking about a mathematician at this point i'm just talking about honoring your teacher and your creator archetype that you were born with because we're all born with different archetypal makeup. And in, in doing that, you're honoring your gifts. And in doing that, you're following a life path that you are actually designed for as a human being. That's pretty, yeah, now that's pretty simple stuff. Yeah. And this should be taught in schools. And I, I just don't, I've never understood why. Like each of our children's different with different archetypal makeup. And if you t help them understand what, what their area of giftedness is and support them into that, then the world's the oyster. They're going to be filled people doing what they love. And just for those watching, you'll see as Brendan talked about doing those things, the joy emanating from him. So you, you can really just, again, come back to those key principles. If he's working in that 12 hours a day, then he goes home feeling fulfilled, but also people are attracted to him because he's working in his gifts. And, and when, when you're with people that are working in, in their gifts, you feel uplifted. So even from a business perspective, it's attractive. Now, just to show you this actually as an example, because we haven't got to what we call the highest dollar productive activities, but we'll touch this for a second and then go into it more in, into a deeper way. But when you um, are coaching and teaching, that is probably the most profitable use of your inner assets. Mm. Yeah, okay. I, I could see that the impact. Yeah, actually, I can see that. Yes, correct. Yes. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewire this different because we, we'll be looking at business models soon, which you're going to love, of course, once we get into <laughs> highest dollar productive activities. But as an example, if you were the front for your business and you were on stage selling all the time, uh, teaching and selling, what, what that would you would be using your assets, your ability to communicate and connect and teach with others. And because you've got lots of people in a room, that's a levered situation. So there's scale there. And you're using your, your skills of oration, connection and teaching to share and connect with the audience. That's going to bring the greatest dollars to your business. Can you see that? Yep. Right. Yep. Now, I had an interesting experience uh, probably about a, a month ago where I brought an absolute brain um, 
into my business. He's an incredible CPA accountant. He's the smartest man alive. But when he went to present, it didn't come across very well. So this man who's the smartest man alive, I'm joking, but he's got a high intellect. He's really good at what he does. He goes to present and I find myself falling asleep. And, and everyone are, and, and that, that I, I, I brought to the, um, into to his teaching, they were also falling asleep. And you could see at that point that, yes, maths was one of his sets of giftedness, but he didn't have the teacher or the creator archetype, which means he wasn't gifted when it came to speaking and communicating. So that wasn't an asset that worked for him. And he stressed before he goes to present, which is why he doesn't present naturally because Mm. it's outside of his area of giftedness. So this is where we start to sort of come back to that key principle that typically when you're working in your key areas of gift, you'll uh, be naturally good at it, enjoy it, have fun, have higher energy, attract people to you because of it. Um, but also it will typically put you in what we call your highest dollar productive activities, which we could probably get into. And we'll, we'll get into what highest dollar productive activities are and then you can come back and, and just ask questions around anything that I may have missed with being in your giftedness because there's some things we can teach people about how to identify their giftedness. So highest dollar productive activities within a business so typically, if someone's come from a background where they've worked for other people, Brendan, if you go to university, you know, and then you go and you're working for someone else, basically you are validated for working hard. You know, your boss says you've got to do all these things and you go away and do all these things. If you do them well and you do them fast, then the boss loves you. You get promoted. You get promoted. Uh, the, the problem with that is you're not trained to typically think about, well, what should I be doing with my time? Because other people will tell you what you should be doing with your time. And secondly, you're not being taught to think like an entrepreneur. Um, and for the investors that are watching this, this is just as important. You'll get where I'm going with this in a second. You're not being taught to think as, as, as an entrepreneur. So as an entrepreneur, when you look at your business, um, there are, maybe six different departments. There's accounting, there's, um, there's marketing, there's sales, there's product development, etc. Um, so there's all key activities that need to be done in those things, in those different departments. Mm-hmm. And because you're not trained as an entrepreneur and being trained in what we call job think, which is I've just got jobs to do and that's how I got validated for years by doing all my jobs, you'll look at your business and you'll tend to go into it and just steal those jobs and depending on your conditioning, how much capital you have, you'll go to do all those jobs yourself. And yeah, agreed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got to do all those jobs. Yeah. Now that's a, a big mistake because if, if we, if we go to, I suppose as a, as a, an example of what isn't a mistake, we'll go to an entrepreneur who looks at all those departments and goes, you know what? Certain of those, uh, only certain activities in those, each of those departments are really important for profit, profit generation or for growth. 
okay? Because what you'll, what you'll see, if you look at any business, you'll see activities that have to be done to make the business run and to be compliant. For example, to serve clients. And then there are activities that generate money. And so you, once you start to, to grab that conception, you realize that not all activities are equal on return on time investment. From a profit perspective, you're talking about, correct? From a profit perspective. Yep. And even okay. from a joy perspective, actually. Well, that's where we're going to get. Yeah, we're going to get to that. So, so the moment that you realize that not all activities are equal in dollar return um, and also that not all activities fall within your, 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 your gift structure, you're already sort of ahead a lot of people. You, you're starting to think in, in a way that I would want you to think if I was coaching you as an example. So let me throw a couple of challenge thoughts out there. Yep. Um, let's say, for example, I'm going to talk about two different, two different types of people. A person who is uh, a visionary looking to create, um, someone who is uh, a trailblazer motivator, someone who is out there to, to promote, sell, share their ideas, let's say, uh, and, and, and sell their product. And, but everyone has to do tax. Yeah, everyone has to do the tax. So that requires the bookkeeping, that requires the analysis on uh, the expenses, the filing of the dockets and the receipts, the, the management of all the number crunching associated with um, coming to a conclusion on what my BAS is this month and what I have to pay and, and um, GST compliance, et cetera, et cetera. So someone who's visionary and a motivator would look at that and go, Ugh. Now flip that around, that's a different business perspective than someone who loves numbers, someone who is afraid to get out there and sell, someone who is not comfortable with the idea of selling. They're an evaluator, they're a stabilizer, um, probably more the evaluator type, they're into their number crunching. They like knowing the profit. They like knowing to the cent, the dollar accurate um, uh, outcome from activity for that particular period. Um, so they'll get a joy out of knowing that number, but that won't necessarily build the business they're, or they're, they're a technical person. So they've created a product that's quite technically um, complex, but really proud of it. They'll invest their time and energy on evolving the product, but begrudge having to do the tax and begrudge having to get out there and actually sell and promote the product. I just want to do a better product. Or, or, or different personality types. Yeah. Will be, will be in different highest dollar productive zones for themselves, even though they may own the business. Well, this, this is, uh, and now you, this is that's where you're taking this conversation is fantastic because you're, yeah, we're going to come back to giftedness and how you start to approach this from an organizational perspective. So um, I'm actually just going to quickly share an example of how you might profile a, a role and, and then we'll come back to why this is important. So, you're right with what you said. Um, the different personality styles will naturally want to do certain tasks within the business and not do other tasks in the business. And typically they find out in the long run why that doesn't work because for most startups or most early stage businesses, 
they're not aware enough of what you've just said, Brendan. So the creator types, the, the, from the profiling perspective, the motivators and trailblazers, they're out there, they're selling heaps and they're out there, duh, 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 but uh, the product's their not book delivering. Work, their bookwork's yeah. falling apart. Yeah, or their bookwork's falling apart. The product's not delivering, the bookwork's falling apart because they haven't put systems and structures in. So, um, or uh, alternatively, what happens is you said that, that, you know, the perfectionists get in there and there's no selling happening. Yeah. And so they, that, at, at some time, this, this has to be addressed, but it's the best to address it straight up, which is what we're, we're doing now. So if I go and work with a business owner, the first thing that I'm looking at is I'm looking at their entire business holistically because we know, let's say, marketing and sales will tend to be the functions of a trailblazer or a motivator. Okay. Now, if I'm a trailblazer and a motivator, then what I might want to do is head up those areas. But we also know within the business that we need evaluate, evaluator and stabilizer aspects. So building systems, uh, evaluator, stabilizer, running systems, evaluator, stabilizer, uh, uh, admin, uh, evaluator, stabilizer, uh, uh, customer service, stabilizer. These, these are different profiles, of course. So as a business owner, I must go, okay, uh, marketing and sales would fall in for both you and I would fall into uh, uh, aspects of our genius and suit our style, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, you're a bit different, but for me, the, the systems, the, the accounting, the bookwork, the admin stuff, I don't want anything to do with. So I know straight away I have to employ someone or have a business partner uh, or find some way of bringing someone to, into my business could be contractors who um, will take care of those parts of, of the business. And they must have a, a profile, meaning a personality profile, and a, a giftedness for those areas of the business. So once we start to do that, we can see that we start to take responsibility for all the different departments within the business, but within that business, the people that are controlling or running and even implementing uh, what needs to happen in those different departments, um, it, it suits their personality style to, to be doing that work. So as an example, we'll just quickly be with this, that, you know, from a marketing perspective, you might be a person who controls the marketing um, and you might have an implementer who's an evaluator because they've got to do all the, 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 watch the stats and record, you know, how many people are liking your content on Facebook or conversions from emails. And, and, and so setting it up this way and looking at a business in this way helps you to understand that, look, I do need all the different styles of people within this business to make it work. Absolutely. And, and <clears throat> So then, then as someone who's starting out with funds may be tight, someone who is uh, early stage um, and, and is clear on their role and what they want to do and what they're strong and, and, and what they've been able to bring to a business, decided to make the business happen and evolve around that. Our encouragement to you listening to this is start to think about what you're great at, what it is that you do and you do best and focus your energy on, on that which brings you the most joy and delight and comes the easiest to you. Because if, if that is your highest productive zone, then that's where you're gonna make the money from. That, that's the thing that, that, that the business needs to evolve around for you. But that said, none of the other stuff that's obligatory can be ignored. All these other things need to be managed and need to be 
followed through on. So your role as a business owner is not just simply to be in, in, in embroiled in the delight of what you've been able to produce or that which you're, you do best, but to orchestrate, manage, or even put somebody in who can orchestrate and manage all of that and leave you to do what you do best. It is, there's a requirement on you wanting to be successful in your business. There's a requirement on you to understand you well enough, to understand your strengths well enough that you can put all of the, the stuff that you don't like doing, all the stuff that you avoid doing, all the stuff that you will <clears throat> walk away from, or all the stuff you just simply can't do because it just is abhorrent to you to, to make happen. Um, to get other people who are brilliant at that and engage them in the support for that. So if you're starting out or if you're new to this and you're finding, hang on, things aren't happening. It's not smooth like I'd hope. It's not, it's not meeting the vision that I had for myself. It's not, it's not progressing like I thought to date. Um, that, that may be the key for you that allows you to shift your thinking, allows you to, to actually turn the business around uh, or to amplify it at the whole next level. And it come, might come down to, and, and again, we encourage self-awareness is critical here. Uh, self-awareness, investigation of self-strengths, um, uh, your personality types, what you're great at, uh, and to build on those strengths, hone those strengths, but to delegate the weaknesses as, a, as opposed to put them aside and hope and pray that they get solved themselves, that the little pixies come in at night and solve all those problems for you. Not going to happen. Um, that you are actually <laughs> putting people in place to deliver on those things that you're not going to do and recognise that you're not actually doing them and don't do them well. And, and yeah, go on. It, yeah, so, so when, as you say that, there'll be people listening who are going, oh, but I can't afford that, which we're going to address soon. Okay. Yeah, great. And, and we need to because there's, yeah. there's a whole dollar conversation about, hang on, that's going to cost me money and I haven't made enough yet. And I don't, I, I, it brings into a trust conversation. Who can I trust? I, you know, only I know what I can do. I trust myself to do what I need to do to deliver this product. I don't trust anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah there, there's a whole conversation of background of, of baggage that you walk into this business with of pain, hurt, um, uh, lessons learned, experience, <laughs> yeah. stories, baggage that, that affects your ability to actually hand over the right people and to hand over those jobs. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're now getting into a whole grey, massy, messy type environment. But whose responsibility is it to turn that around and to, to make it happen? And the answer is, it's your business. It's yours. And it's going to start with you knowing you better and you trusting you that your highest dollar productive zone is that which you need to spend your time on and taking a leap or managing self or managing expectations around you being able to delegate the other stuff to other people at a dollar cost effective way to be able to do it. Um, and, and there are a whole pile of resources you can do so that are relatively cheap. That leads then to the idea of, well, how does someone starting out with no dollars get into this, Perry? I mean, that, cause that can be quite a block for people. Oh yeah, we're gonna head into that. But can I just go sideways for a second? Please. Right, because I actually wanna explain what happens when you don't do what we're suggesting. So you've, you've just suggested to the audience, if you're out there listening and you, you, you know, you're in your early stages of business, you, you do this. Well, this is what happens if you don't follow our advice at this point. 
when you first set up your business, you can typically do everything. Okay? You can do it. You can get through. You're going to work a lot, but you'll get through. The moment that you go into a growth phase and you suddenly start getting lots of clients, you will soon run out of energy if you're the business owner trying to do everything and be the manager of all those departments that we just talked about. And you end up with roadblocks in your business. So this is typically what happens for someone that does that. It's like they've just finished with two clients. Now they're rushing off to do the book work, but they can't get the book work done because of, you know, they can only sort of contract out for half an hour because uh, they've now got to go, they've got to finish off the newsletter and, and they're, they're, then they've got a marketing meeting. And, and so that person ends up burning out, um, becoming really inefficient because if you notice that when your mind's divided between a multiple of tasks that you don't work as efficiently, I, I call that overwhelm. You get to yeah, a totally. point where you've got so much going on that you don't know what to do next. It's all urgent and immediate and you just completely lose any sense of productivity. You Correct. just spin in circles overwhelmed by what you need to be doing next and just can't pick one. Correct. So it, that approach, even though it might work in the short term, leads to actually exactly what you said, overwhelm, burn, burnout, and you just you, you run your business as, as though from what we call a coping mechanism. You're just trying to cope, just trying to get through, rather than what we're suggesting you end up doing, which we're going to go into in a second, where you're running a team and you actually have more space and time now to think about and work on your business. But there's another element to this. When I know that my three roles are in my areas of giftedness, and I have other people looking after these other areas that I might meet with them around once a, a week, my use of energy is optimized. My mm. brain function is optimized because I only do those three things that, that I'm already naturally gifted at, so I tend to become better at them. Secondly, we end up with operational efficiencies where the other is it creates operational inefficiencies. So let's just imagine that I go out and I'm speaking, and as an example, we bring clients in, then I, I, it's not me that has to interrupt and suddenly stop and go and have to uh, induct the clients. There's, there's, so what happens is, is that when you've got the right people in place and team in place, it, it, it enables you to reach high levels of scale or uh, high levels of income without reaching that overwhelm or without having inefficiencies or roadblock to, to good quality profit. And it will feel easier. It will feel like it flows. It feels like you're not trying to swim up a very strong current or river. It, it, it starts to flow and feel more comfortable, feel more suited, feel like it's meant to be. Now, if you're in those sorts of feelings, then you are more in your highest productive dollar zone. And our encouragement is for you to dwell in that space as much as possible. Great. But again, going okay you're a mass man so this will be a good one this will be an easy one so uh, the first thing yeah you you do have to take into account as a business owner your costings what you can afford any lag time between employing someone and getting return on the investment for, for employing them those things are things that have to be taken into account one of the things that you might want to start addressing, those of you that are interested in this and watching this and start to think about, 
A lot of what you'll be doing in your business right now, you'll be doing because you think you save yourself money. So as an example, when I work with business owners, one of the, if, if they tell me they're doing their books, I'm just like, oh, my God, you're a business owner and you're doing your books. And I ask them why they're doing their books. And they tell me because they don't want to pay a bookkeeper. And I say, well, the bookkeeper, first of all, you can get data entry people. There's even ways that you stack, stack lower your, your accounting uh, prices. You can get a data entry person. You can get a data entry person from Australia. You, you could pay them around 20, I think it is $22 an hour, something like that. Not bookkeeper fees, which is around 60 or $70 an hour. And you could have your bookkeeper, you know, just overview the uh, data entry person once every two weeks or once a month, depending on the quality of your data person. And your accountant monitor the bookkeeper and the data entry person once every three months. That is a way of thinking that will start to lower your prices. But that's not where I'm going here. Sorry, well, I'm going to stop you just for a second. Yep. People listen to it again. Listen to this. Notice the words coming out of Perry's mouth. That's a different way of thinking. Yeah. The invitation here is to think differently, not think I'm right and this is the only way, not think this is the way I've always done it, this is the way it needs to be done. Start to think differently, open the mind to different ideas or approaches because there is a wealth of opportunity by taking on different ideas. Yeah. So, yeah, please continue. So let's just imagine uh, a massage therapist. The massage therapist, I think for every massage they do, I think they, they earn, if it's their own business, something between 80 and 100 and $50 an hour, depending on that person, which is a fairly decent hourly rate. So taking this concept that doing the book saves money is an erroneous concept. It doesn't. So let's just imagine that a massage therapist uh, wants to do their own books because they're thinking it's saving them $80 a week or $120 a week. Let's just say it takes three hours or two hours, probably two hours, right? So they think that's saving them 60 to 80 bucks a week in doing that, those two hours. In reality, it will be costing them because if they spent those two hours marketing, what could those two hours marketing return them? Again, we're just an assumption language, so we're just using this as an example. Um, that person only needs to get one client and they're still in profit. So their hourly rate, again, is worth 100 bucks. That's 120 bucks an hour, 80 to 120 bucks an hour. So one client basically covers the cost of the two hours of bookkeeping. Yeah, perfect. All right, perfect. So in reality, if they spent those two hours, they're going to be up about 140 bucks worth of profit. 120 bucks, 140 bucks worth of profit based on what those two hours of bookkeeping are going to cost you. So that's a real small example. But you, you, you imagine this, if you're in a business that has scale, meaning that, uh, you know, for every hour marketing, you sell 20, 30, 40 of X item. Again, if you're bookkeeping think, and, and, and you're thinking that's saving you money, where two hours of marketing might generate you $1,000, $3,000, who knows? Because we're just using assumption land here. But if you are an entrepreneur, you know that and you know that you need to be spending this time marketing and selling because any time marketing and selling is making money, 
any time doing the bookkeeping is costing you. That's just a bottom line way of thinking. Indeed. And the, what you're talking about then is the opportunity cost. What you're talking about then is the, the cost of doing a, attempting to save. I've been speaking to people recently about the idea of, of making money, wealth. Um, and I, I put to them, uh, who's heard of the words of the term wealth creation? And everyone puts their hand up. Great. Who's heard the word, term wealth saving? And no one puts their hands up. So why don't you hear the words wealth saving? Because you don't actually save your way to wealth. It, saving is all about not spending so much. Creating is all about making money. What you're doing by taking on the bookkeeping yourself and the manual task itself is looking to save money, not create wealth. So what we need to do is shift our thinking to creating wealth rather than saving money, saving on expenses. Now, that's not an advocate to say spend frivolously. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, sure, we need cost control, but we need to be in a position where we as owners of our business, we as investors spend our time in creating the money for the wealth, as opposed to spending our time in saving our way and hoping we're going to get there. Uh, it, it, yeah, I just love the way that you, you've put that because you actually can see from the way that you've you've explained it that when you concentrate on saving money it's actually not wealth creation it's actually a minimalization tactic it's actually minimalizing um, <laughs> you yeah. cannot create wealth with, with that uh, approach correct. Correct. that's you're, an impossibility correct you're looking at um getting closer and closer to zero expenses that's hardly expansionary yeah where you need to be is expansionary where we need to be is creative and, and um, putting ourselves out there to bring more revenue in as to run and thrive the business as opposed to focus our energy on spending less and less and less. If we continue to focus on spending less and less and less, we will do so because we will have less and less money coming in and be forced to. Yeah. Simply drive ourselves into a bucket. There's a, an example of someone that I want to quickly share. They come to mind as we speak. Um, where actually a property developer who obviously is putting the property developments together, they've got a property development company, so they're selling, a uh, new entrepreneur, actually one of the uh, results clients, and they uh, approached us about two weeks ago fully in burnout. We knew they are going to get there because of their personality style. And now what we're going to be doing, Brendan, is uh, – and I'm going, to go, I'm going to go to a subconscious pattern here, by the way, that also plays into why people don't pass things on. But the, this particular person, uh, an I can do person, this is going to be really important. So um, an I can do person, uh, and lots of business owners are like this because a lot of business owners are naturally skilled. They're actually good at lots of different things. So... I reckon you could be an I can, uh, I can do that person, Brendan. Which, oh, there, there is nothing I can't do. Thank you. <laughs> it's nothing I can't do. And so that concept, when you're an early stage business owner um, and you, you're, you're watching your dollars, not wanting to delegate and spend, and you've got that disposition, well, I can do it. And you've worked in a corporate space where everyone went like that to you for many years because you could do it. And they would give you the roles and they'd give you the, the you'd be climbing up the corporate ladder because of your ability to be able to do it. 
that person goes into business and they look at all those tasks. Oh, there's a website to build to be built. Yeah, I can do that. There's a, um, uh, uh, we've got to put the deals together. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, the accounting's got to be done. Yeah, I can do that. And that I can do, which is, which is something that people with high levels of competency tend to have, an attitude they tend to have, that sets people up for burnout because they'll tend to take on rather than delegating. So it's not just the financial aspect, people thinking, oh, I can't afford. It's also almost like that sort of, uh, competent hero who's writing in going, yes, I'll do this and I'll do this. And yes, I can do that. And that's okay for a certain point in time. But as I said before, once they start getting clients, they'll start falling to pieces. Now th- I just want to go somewhere else with this. So I'll be going into that particular person's business. And there's a couple of things I'm going to do. I've already worked out their highest, their, their, their zones of genius because they only need to work in the zones of genius. They've got uh, the teacher orator function, so they need to be up front, front presenting. Uh, people are attracted to them, so that's another reason they've got to be up front presenting. But the other thing that we'll be doing is finding out what they think is important because uh, most business owners and entrepreneurs are idealistic, me included. And when you first start a project, you, you, you're in, in visionary thinking, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'll put this strategy in place, I'm going to put this tactic in place, and da 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 da, da. The reality is that maybe three quarters of what you think you're going to do can't be done. Mm. Okay. Cause you just don't have the resources to do it. Resources, time, people, because when you start to manage time and resources properly, you have to be aware of what resources you have. And so when you're in the idealistic stage, you tend to uh, not view <laughs> resources realistically. So, again, and this is paring down what they think is important to do, okay? So, as an example, if we just take this from a marketing strategy, they might be running six marketing strategies. And those six marketing strategies all take time, dollar, times and, times and, time and dollars, but we might just find that two of those strategies are producing consistently. Then we'll whack out the other four and beef up the money that goes into the other two, as an example. So... In, in doing that, we're also helping business owners get really clear about what truly is essential and important in growing their business. So going back to the question then, I think there's a, a recognition now in our conversation that um, highest dollar productive zone is critical, that we need to be efficient in what we do and whatever it was that inspired us, brought us the joy, got us involved in the business in the, per- in the first place is the area we need to spend most of our time and energy because that's the heart and the yep. joy of what we get and our strength. It's what we bring that is the gift to this business. And, that could be, and, and this plays for investors as much as it does for business owners. Um, whatever strategic approach you're taking on with your investing, we need to see it like a business and we take it on as a business and we bring to that equation that which we, the original why we're doing this as a source of joy, the drive, the lift um, for maintaining and, and continuing to build. Okay. Question then becomes, well, there's not a lot of dollars right now, early stage, or uh, I've just gone into a, a phase of consolidation or um, I have... I've just recognized that I've just spent my entire life trying to do everything and I'm near burnout. I'm near exhaustion. I'm not taking the business where I wanted to go. 
money's tight, I'm sick to death of money being tight, how do I shift who I am in my modeling and my thinking right now? How do I, how do I resource, where do I start to refine what it is so I can delegate the weaknesses? Okay, I, 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 I'll give you the short answer because that's actually a big question. But the, the first one will be, you will have to look at, well, there's two, there's two, uh, I, can't, I'm not, I can't give the short one, I'm going to have to be a bit more complex. <laughs> so first of all, let's just, the only thing that makes money in a business is marketing and selling. Mm-hmm. We agree on that? That's yep. the only thing that actually makes money. Okay. So if uh, marketing and selling happens to fall into your level of giftedness, then the answer is a no-brainer. Yep, so, but then if it does, logic suggests you've got the ability to generate the revenue to be able to delegate some of those funds out. Correct, that's what I was going to say. So I, I'm going to answer it from two points. I'm going to answer it from your selling and marketing falls within your giftedness set, and I'll answer it from, well, it's not in your giftedness sense because it requires a different answer. So the first one, if, if, if your level of giftedness falls into the into the area of, of marketing and sales then it's a no-brainer you, you actually got to look at all the tasks that you don't enjoy that stop you from being in your marketing and selling roles and delegate that to others and if you can you can employ people from overseas at, at if you, if you feel morally okay about that, that will really reduce your expenses. Um, and the time saved from doing that quickly, let's just say you buy yourself another eight hours a week, you're going to get a return on your marketing investment really quickly that more than pays for the person that you put in place. So that's a no-brainer. Let's get to the complicated one. If your area of giftedness does not fall in the area of sales and marketing then you have so to I'm going to I'm going to give you two two different personality types the first yep. personality type is the I'm a technician I've created a product and my heart and soul is in this product I'm not making money because I'm not selling it um, they, they don't worry about their admin and they're not very good at their, their marketing and stuff but they're very very profe- uh, profoundly strong in their product how do they turn this around? Well, if it was me, uh, what they need to do is they need to find someone that will take on the role of sales and marketing. And depending on the business that we're talking about, if it was me, I would be looking at doing a partnership with that person so that they earn a percentage of profit. Either that or you bring them in as a co-founder, you bring them in as a, uh, a shareholder, and Correct. you allow them to take a reward out of the business for everything that for everything they bring. Now, I, I already hear the complaints from the technical skill who have created this product. But I put so much into this. It's my idea. I'm entitled. I need the, the money, and it's and they're protective about it. And um, the 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 you mean I've got to give up some of this this hard earned. IP, I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to delegate some of that to, to, well, if you don't, then it's more of the same and you're the proud owner of a product that nobody's ever going to use or enjoy because you're not getting it out there and you don't. 
there's a certain smack about the head that's required here to say, guys, just, just, I get the, the enrollment, the, the passion you've put into your product, but there is a requirement for you to think differently such that 50% of a whole pile of cash is a damn sight better than a hundred percent of nothing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So be willing to share, yeah? And, and if there are trust issues there that you carry, then so be it. Your greatest obligation to yourself is to work through those trust issues. Recognise that there are trust issues there. Work on self and evolve self such that you then have the freedom to be able to engage others. Again, self-awareness is key here. You don't know self, you don't know what's stopping. You don't know what's stopping you, you end up hitting a brick wall. Avoid the brick wall, evolve with self, Work on self, understand where your, where your blockages are, where your, where your mental stops are, and then get the right support to work your way through that and solve those problems. Because the world can be your oyster in this outcome. Dilemma we face is if you are that, uh, if there are trust issues, if there are, I don't want to share issues, if they're all greed issues, if they're all those there, then you are bound to struggle and be one of those um, wind up on the, on the uh, stockpile of massive inventions that never went anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and, and don't go there. All right. The last person I want to talk about then is the person who is embroiled in the evaluator. They are, I get the admin. I know what I need to do with the admin. I like the numbers in the admin. I'm looking for the admin and the admin's just everything for them. Um, but they've got an idea for a product or something like that and they just don't want to sell. How, do, how does that person evolve? Where do they go? They still have to. So again, if, this, if, if we come back to even what I started with today, um, you know, when you and I were talking, I said that you have to look at your, your any business from a profile perspective, knowing that within any business, we need evaluators, we need stabilizers, we need motivators, and we need trailblazers. And therefore, to that person, you can't get away without having those people on your team because that person's example probably won't want to do much customer service as well they're yeah, not going right. to want to be on the phones even just because they're because an evaluator is not a, a, a people person they actually fit into sometimes what we call it the lord archetype they're the type of people that build the infrastructures right mm. you get that they build systems and infrastructures um but if they don't move past that myopic thinking thinking and, and, and go to build a team it, they end up just like the other person that you talked about with their invention on Scrappy because you have to have the team. And again, there's all sorts of ways of structuring businesses and structuring uh, business arrangements with, with team members that can lower the amount of capital required or ongoing cash flow required. And that means giving part ownership, giving part, um, giving percentage deals on profit. There's all sorts of ways you can structure things to protect yourself in angel capital but get the benefit of the team and yeah protect your ip as well if that's a concern for you yeah there are there are so think yep. incredibly go to a good accountant go to a good solicitor and think about talk to them about how you want to build team but you want to protect what is it that is important to you protect and then how can you give stuff that allows the people who join you to get a reward from the effort that they're putting into the business but they're not necessarily being paid as a, a wage or an employee that's not affordable right now, or you're struggling to have the funds available for right now, but you still get access to the, to the skill and ability and, and their, their high performance skills.
their giftedness. Okay. Correct. <laughs> Quickly, it, we have a set psychometric profiling system and that psychometric profiling system gives anyone that does it a real understanding of what their areas of giftedness are, what their areas of weakness are. Um, uh, so it gives them real clear self-knowledge about what they should or shouldn't be doing as an investor or as a business owner. We have people that use this, they give it to their staff, they give it to their team when they're employing and recruiting people for different positions. It, it, will, it will really help people sort of get their head around what their areas of gift and design, where they should be working, where they shouldn't be working. So from that, let me draw this to a conclusion. Now. Yes. You are not an island. If you're listening to this, you are not an island. Um, and success doesn't come from island thinking. You are part of the globe. You are part of a broader society. You are part of a broader community. Um, and a business and a business thinking. If you take on, I'm an island, I will do everything. I can, I can do everything or it's my obligation to do everything. You are limiting yourself well beyond what you're, what you're capable for, capable of, well beyond what if you were just focusing on that which was great for you and spending your energy working on that which is great for you, you could explode as a gift to those that you want to support, those that you created this business for. Um, that's possible for you, but you've got to let go of that which is holding you back. And those things that are holding you back are the things that you don't like to do, that you begrudge doing, that you avoid doing, that are a burden for you to do. Take those emotional triggers as invitations for you to consider, these are the things I need to delegate out. These are the things that I need to give to people for who those things are a delight for, and make them happy by giving them your stuff to do. Um, you're solving two problems. As an encouragement for you, Take on, I'm not an island and it's not me. You are part of a team and your obligation to make your business great is to take on team. And um, when taking on team, then uh, we get into another conversation. Not, not for now, but we get into the selection criteria of who that might, might need to be. Okay. Know, though, that there are four personality types. Help you understand what's happening for you. Help you pick who you need to be playing with and the personality types for who you need to be playing with. If you can do that, you are far, far more advanced in your ability then to take this business to where you wanted to take it. Guys, until we meet again, invest wisely. Thank you.